0: Scores! Gilmore scores! The
1: ball's left! Off the glass to looks corner to a Aguilla A a left circle. Happy to yell shot. Save. Made by Aguilla. Three Another shot. They score! The Flames win it! Yeah! Baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames Talk starts now on SportsNet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson.
2: We are underway this hour. It is Wednesday, March 8th. Flames Talk on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio with Wes Gilbertson of Post Media. My name is Pat Steinberg. And my friend, we have been waiting all season for a goaltender to steal a game. And I don't know in the first 64 games if there was a night where you could say a goalie has stolen a game. And then in game 65, that's exactly what happened. Jacob Markstrom didn't just steal one. He stole two. He played his best game of the season. Maybe his best game as a member of the flames. It took the team 65 games for their first shutout of the season. And that's the first time all year where I think you come away from a victory and say the guy between the pipes, was the number one, or perhaps in this case, only reason why. And we've been waiting for it. Now's a pretty good time to get it. But that's exactly what we saw at XL Energy Center on Tuesday night.
1: Absolutely was. And when the Minnesota Wilds score that goal in overtime that is eventually overturned on on such a bizarre sequence um, for offside, your heart kind of sinks for Jacob Markstrom in that moment because he absolutely deserved to win that hockey game, and so to see him then come back out and finish it off in the shootout, he he was terrific last night for the Flames. Nothing nothing short of terrific, and, and at a time that they really needed that out of him, it. It was a game that you could tell they were on the back half of a a really difficult two and two. Absolutely. And
2: three and four. Yeah.
1: Like they looked absolutely gassed last night. I I started to wonder as the game went on and, and I guess this is how you end up in a shootout at zero zero. But I I started thinking to myself as I was watching from home, like how are they going to get a goal in this game? They're, they're not generating a lot of chances. They're, relying so heavily on their goaltender, but he was absolutely up to the task. I, you know, you can't argue that it was his best game of the season. It, it's probably in a different stratosphere than most of the others. And, you know, best in a Flames uniform, I, I'm not sure. I remember them all off the top of my head, but it'd be in that conversation for sure.
2: And and the timeliness, timeliness of it, very important. The circumstances of it, very important. And I guess the question then becomes, and this is where I'm, Really interested on the text line because, look, I think it's fair to say that Jacob Markstrom has been public enemy number one for the Flames or one of the main whipping boys this season. And I get it. He's a six million dollar goaltender. He's compensated very, very handily, uh, very, very handsomely, rather. And you're when, when you're a goaltender, you always get more of the flack and and more of the attention, good and bad. But the question then becomes, I guess there's two questions. And the first one, I'm curious on the text line at 960-960. The second one, I'm curious on the text line. But I guess number one is, is Jacob Markstrom back? Is is this the return of high-end Jacob Markstrom in the final quarter of the season? With the first three quarters being really, really poor by his standards and by NHL standards, is Jacob Markstrom back? Because I'm starting to think so. I don't know if I'm ready to proclaim it but I'm, I'm leaning in that direction because what I've seen from him since coming in from after 20 minutes in that Boston game for Dan Vladar, he's looked like the Jacob Markstrom that I remember. He's looked like the Jacob Markstrom that I, I really have, have tried to defend and, and tried to get people to remember all season long. Uh, that's what he's looked like of late.
1: Yeah, he certainly has played his best hockey in a long time in the last four games and change. And I think back, you know, even in Dallas, he ends up giving up four, but he made some really crucial saves in that hockey game. You know, I'm thinking of the one early on that rebound opportunity for Jason Robertson, a a guy who knows a thing or two about scoring goals. I'm thinking of that one right before the first intermission on Rupe Hints when suddenly you've outscored, sorry you've outplayed a team for the entire first period and suddenly it looks like you could be going in tied that that's a really important save in that moment obviously you go back to the Minnesota game on Saturday night behind a team that was red rotten he was absolutely fine he played great against the the Toronto Maple Leafs yep. a couple nights before that so so there's a uh Resume building there in terms of there. There's lots of evidence that you could point to in the last week or so that it looks like he is back. If if there's a pump the brakes moment for me, it's that I think the last time we had this conversation or or the last time I remember writing, you know, is Jacob Marks from back. It was after a December 12th game in Montreal, and there were two sort of storylines. If you remember. Coming out of that game at Bell Center, one was the play of Jacob Markstrom in the two one overtime loss. Yep, overtime or shootout. Yep, it was definitely extra one of time the extras. Yep. And then the other one was obviously the concern about Chris Tanev, who had taken the shot off, off the head. side of the head yep. in that game. And so, you know, I went back and looked as we were getting ready for the show. You know, after that December twelfth game, which I thought up to that point was certainly his best of the season. Well. Four nights later, he gets shelled for five by the St. Louis Blues. That being said, he was 5-2-1 after that Montreal game in an eight-game stretch. I I would argue that was his most kind of solid stretch of the season until it sort of fell apart for him in January. And so, is Jacob Markstrom back? It's trending that way. It's probably too early to say, but if the Calgary Flames are going to have any chance of hanging around in this playoff picture, Jacob Markstrom has to be back.
2: So, the numbers, the reason why I am am starting to believe is because since coming in for Vladari's in a 929, so that's it's, it's a small sample size. I grant you that. But it's also, I think, his best run of the year. So he came in for two periods against Boston and has started the four games since. He's at a 929. The only game that he's had sub 900 was the Dallas game when he allowed the four. And, and I thought he was pretty good still in that Stars game. Yeah, so they he, had
1: a lot of good chances.
2: Of yeah, absolutely they did. And uh, even, even there at 4-4, I thought he had to make some big stops to make sure Dallas never took the lead. So... That's 10 periods of 929 plus an overtime period. To me, he has absolutely shown me that he he still has it. I was never really worried about whether or not he still had it. I was just questioning whether or not he would be able to get it back. Now, five games is not enough to say definitively that, yes, he is back, but I am I am starting to believe a little bit more that that could be the case. And then the second question is, and then we'll read some text at nine sixty nine sixty. I guess the other question would be, what's changed and what is different, and why all of a sudden it looks so different in the snap of a finger? Is it the fact that he's now a father, and you know everybody's healthy, baby's healthy, partners healthy, like everybody everybody's healthy? I, I would imagine not having children of my own, but I can imagine that. That would be a big weight off your shoulders? Is it the fact that Daryl Sutter publicly proclaimed, Nets his, and all of a sudden, there's maybe less looking over your shoulder, and you've got the confidence of your team 100% behind you? Is it a combination of both? Is it, I don't know the answer. That one's more rhetorical, but what's changed? I, I think I think the two that I threw out are, are valid hypotheses, but I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what's exactly what has sparked this change. But he looks like a different goaltender.
1: I think the two possibilities that you throw out are, are absolutely valid, and and I would say both probably factor in. You know, I'm sure, and I'm in the same boat as you. I don't have children, but there's some perspective there. You're in the middle of of what's been a frustrating hockey season when you you can kind of ride the roller coaster with the wins and losses and the good and bad performances, and then you know suddenly there's seven pounds of perspective looking you in the eye. And I'm sure that has made a difference. I'm sure that Daryl Sutter's public proclamation, for lack of a better term, that that Jacob Markstrom was their guy and he was either riding them or they were either going to ride him to the playoffs or essentially miss the playoffs. I think that factored in as well. And, yeah. and the biggest difference for me is, Last night it looked like Jacob Markstrom between his own ears felt like he was back. That's what I noticed. That that save that he makes, um, there's that weird thing going on where Tanev and Hart is it Hart Ryan Hartman, yeah, Hartman behind the are net are tied up behind the net for like twenty seconds. And that and, glove save he made. And that glove save he made on Jared Spurgeon was like an absolute ten beller. And just the way he made it, the the way he managed to cover all that net without covering very much of it at all, that looked to me like a guy who felt like his old self, mm-hmm. and and I'm sure as a goalie that can be fleeting, but that was the difference for me. That looked like Jacob Markstrom thought he was back, and if that's the case, that is just going to be so monumental for this team.
2: Want to uh, read some texts at nine sixty nine sixty because. Kind of all over the place on this one. Um, this from Mike. This is, without a da- doubt, Markstrom's best stretch in a long time, but certain if he can maintain this for another month or even going into next year. I think that means uncertain, but uncertain if he can maintain this for another month or even going into next year. But if he continues to build his game night after night, then that should help his confidence. Uh, this says, tough to play goal mentally when your team's not scoring and you let a goal in on the first or second shot. That's an uphill battle. Uh, this says, Pat, I believe Marky is on his way back. Sutter's clearly said you're the number one moving forward down the stretch. Also the birth of his child. I feel has calmed his nerves and he's letting the game come to him once again. Only problem is, does this put the flames at a more precarious position come draft day? We shall see. Uh, Dwayne in Calgary says, yes, Jacob Markstrom's back. Having a child coming so close to the due date and having to travel must have been just awful as a human being away from your wife. Now that the baby is here and everyone's healthy, he can get back to business. Uh, This reads, I've been riding Markstrom all year, but last night he looked incredible. That's what we need, and I hope he can sustain his play until season's end. Um, This says, Guy's not sure if the pregnancy of his partner was playing a role in his struggles, but it's definitely a significant coincidence that now that his first child is born healthy, he seems like he's laser-focused again. Now, all they need is some more consistency from Lindholm, Huberto, and Mangiapane, and this team might have a chance. That's from Jose. And then here on the other side, um, this says this segment should be called Grasping at Straws. Calm down, Pat. It was one game. Um, This says you can't say Jacob is back, but it shows he still has it. And then Noah says inevitably they'll miss by a point and have to pick 16th. So there's some positivity, and there's some skepticism on the other side, which I fully understand. That's how the 65 games have been this year. I'm not ready to proclaim he's back, Wes, but he's showing for the first time this year, he's showing signs that the Jacob Markstrom that we saw for the better part of two seasons that we have not seen for most of this season is starting to return, and that's the best news that the Calgary Flames could have. And not not just for this year. It's huge for this year. It'll give them a chance to remain competitive and remain in it right until the very end if that that happens. But it's also huge in the bigger picture because to me, regardless of what happens between now and the end of the season, and regardless if they're playing beyond April 10th or not, regardless if we're setting up a first-round matchup or not for this team, Jacob Markstrom getting his game back in the final quarter of the season and feeling good about his game again and being able to be confident that it's still there. That's huge going into next season as well. When I have news for you, they're not blowing this thing up and Jacob's under contract for next year and he's their number one guy for next year. If he can get his game back and they still miss the playoffs, that's not a bad thing. That's still really important for the big picture.
1: Yeah, and you know the one thing that when you were reading all the text, jumped out at me is someone saying that since he's had his son arrive, he looks more focused. That's the one thing I would push back on the, the one problem I don't think Jacob Markstrom had when he had a bunch of performance problems was focus. You know, this guy and we have yeah. seen him wear his heart on his sleeve. This guy is so hard on himself and I'm sure in a city of one point two million, when everyone else is being really hard on you, that makes it twice as difficult. You know it was tough to pull himself out of this rut. Is he out of the rut? It looks like it. We don't know for sure, but Jacob Markstrom needed a win, and not just a win in the goes in the standings, but he needed some things to go his way. He needed potentially a uh, call to get overturned in overtime that lets him get yeah. out of there with two points. You know, he he needed Tyler Toffoli to score with 6.2 seconds left. So it's not perhaps an overtime loss in Dallas and everyone's saying, oh, they blew another game. Markstrom's got to have a save down the stretch. Like, this is a guy who needed some things to go his way, and they really have. And, and I'm talking just about the on-ice portion right now, but a lot has happened for the good, for the better, for Jacob Markstrom of late, and I think you're seeing that. And I I know that when we see him Friday against the Anaheim Ducks, he's going to look like a confident guy. Now, if one leaks through your glove, can that change? Absolutely. But there's a confidence there with Jacob Markstrom that we haven't seen in months right now.
2: Yeah, agreed. I'm happy for him, because I, I know how... I know how frustrating this year has been for him. And and that's a guy who wears frustration on his sure. sleeve. You can tell when he's fighting it. You can tell when he's frustrated about the way he's playing. You can, like when he puts everything on himself, and he always does, but there have been times this year where he's been, he has not been the problem and he's put it all on himself. I, that that's been a frustrated goalie for a good chunk of this year. And that at times has been a real enemy. I think that his passion and his competitive level and how high a standard he has for himself is his biggest strength. But I think sometimes it can also, it's a double-edged sword and, and it can, it can hurt him sometimes, but that did not look like a frustrated goaltender in Minnesota.
1: No, no. And, And even like the night we all remember is obviously that game against the Montreal Canadiens at home he has the blunder in the first minute where he comes sliding out. It's a, you know, it's a horrible decision. He actually plays pretty well for the rest of the night. And then there's the, I suck at hockey right now at the end. Right. And and like that put him in such a spotlight that, that put his struggles, that sort of honesty. You, you love that. We love it. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, the fans appreciate, you know, him taking the brunt of it like that, but, He's he's worn it for this team so many times that you you appreciate when you see him catch a break and and don't get me wrong that I'm not saying that the only thing he couldn't catch was a break this year he he's had some games that were absolute duds but it looks finally like that might be in the rearview mirror yeah can it change on a dime absolutely but it you gotta like the way it's trending. For Jacob and Marks, i and the Calgary Flames.
2: Uh, Pat and Wes, this hour of Flames Talk underway on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast. Plenty else to dissect after that win in Minnesota. Uh, what did we think about the fact that Minnesota didn't get the two points? Here, I'll give you my take on it, and I'm curious, you. We're talking about the overtime the, uh, uh, the, decision? Correct. Yeah. The, the offside call that allowed the Flames to win it in a shootout. I think the Flames got lucky. But I think the, the the NHL made the right call. And I say that because, and this is just how I interpret the rule. I, I it's It's been a moving target over the last four or five years since the offside challenge became a thing. But the way I interpret the rule now and the way I understand it is had Jared Spurgeon made what I, I, I keep comparing it to the NFL and the football move in what determines whether or not it's an incomplete pass or a fumble. Right. So you make a catch, you clearly have the ball, and then it gets knocked out before you've swung your hips and you start to move. When you make a football move and it gets knocked out, it's a fumble because you're deemed to have possession. If you don't make the football move, then it's an incomplete pass. Well, in this case, Jared Spurgeon had possession or, or would have had possession if he would have kept carrying the puck. But instead, he passes it immediately, and to me, never made what I would call a hockey move, and thus I do think preceded the puck over the blue line, and I think the NHL made it right. They, they initiated that from the war room that was not a coach's challenge. I think the, I think the NHL got it right. As much as, as much as there's a lot of gray area from how I understand or interpret the rule I don't think the Wild got job last night. I The Flames got lucky because it was an inch or two, but in the end, I think the NHL made the right call.
1: I, I agree with you that I, I think the NHL got this one right. And I understand why the Minnesota Wild feel like they got screwed on it. And, and, you know, we heard Marcus Foligno post-game make reference to a goal that the Vancouver Canucks scored in overtime at Dallas not very long ago where... Anthony Beauvillier is in a very similar position. If you go watch the replay, that goal counted. Minnesota's didn't. Well, it doesn't look very different. So I understand why they're steaming today, but this is such a, a tough spot for the NHL because with the current rule, as I understand an offside, they've created a lot of gray area. They have. Right? And so... They've made it confusing for all of us. Like the puck on your stick, Sorry, the puck almost has to be on your stick to indicate possession, otherwise you just open up this entire gray area, and even like I'm sure you and I did the same thing i I'm sitting there like fifteen times trying to watch where the puck is on the blue yeah. paint when he makes the pass or if it touches the blue paint before he's making the pass. Finally, it's like, wes, what are you doing? Go to bed stop, <laughs> stop watching this replay, but so, I get why the wild are frustrated. I also get why we saw it on the broadcast last night. a bunch of the flames watching it on the bench and then going to take their gear off. yep, they thought it was gonna step but and what a bizarre sequence of events Rasmus Anderson it sounds like was half half out of his gear. You know, guys are peeling off their jerseys, obviously, we see. Corey Ozmack on that hilarious clip pushing the sticks back to the bench. Would it be Oz. Yeah, in case they need him for overtime. So just a, an absolutely bizarre way for a hockey game to end, or I suppose I should say for a hockey game to continue. continue in this case. But I do think they, I do think they got the call right. Now, if it was reversed, I think this city would be on fire today. And I can understand why the Minnesota Wild Think they got screwed, but you know, objectively, I think it was the right call.
2: I like this text. If that call went the other way, we'd be complaining. It was the right call, but you're right. The rule is gray. Absolutely. It is a rule that absolutely has turned this into uh, a very gray area. You'd
1: hate to see it in. Imagine that game, imagine right? that
2: was 5 on 5 in game 7 of a playoff series.
1: Yeah, even And then they well, called it back. Even over, you know, you've got a 2-2 series and and you're in overtime of game 5 and and you're reviewing that. It no matter which way it goes, somebody yep. is going to be absolutely seething, but I think last night in Minnesota the league got it right.
2: Uh somebody says so passing the puck isn't a hockey move. Well, it is, but it's not a move that indicates possession. It indicates you got the puck off your stick really quickly, uh, and you didn't establish possession, and thus
1: it was an offside play. And this is the problem that the rules created, it, right? Absolutely. That, now we're getting we're getting pretty ticky tack on it, but that's the rule. Yep.
2: I want to play you this clip from Daryl Sutter before we get to the round table this was head coach Daryl Sutter uh, after the win in Minnesota it was just asked about you know the way his team battled and, and the desperate situation they're in and, and just listen to Daryl and I really appreciate what he's doing here. You know what we're fighting for points we know that you know, we had, a, we had a one or two rough games at home and everybody threw us under the bus so good on them So, and first of all, when I said, I don't know if he's... Do we have bus audio? We probably do. I'm pretty pretty (laughs) sure I could go get something. But, okay, first of all, I don't know if he's talking about good on them being his players or if he's, like, taking a shot at you and I and saying good on them for... uh, Regardless, I'm all for it. If if Daryl Sutter wants to play the the us-against-the-world card in that room and that is something that'll galvanize his group. I am happy to uh, be like yeah, absolutely. You know, he had that clip on the last road trip where he said, you know, nobody else is cheering for us I am. That like play that card. Yeah. I, I, I he he's he's done it before. He did it with Los Angeles. He did it in the old 4Run. Play that card, galvanize your group. I am happy to be Daryl Sutter's whipping boy like sure if if that's gonna galvanize your group, I am all for it, and I appreciate the tactic. I don't know if it's gonna work, but not a whole lot has worked to get this group springboarded so if if that's the card you gotta play and if now is the time you feel you gotta play it i'm I'm all for it so. Yeah, I, I don't take offense to it. We absolutely were riding the team hard after the Minnesota loss, and for good reason. They were garbage.
1: They deserved it.
2: But they've played much better in the two games since. Yeah. And I, you, everybody's looking for springboard, that or this or that. Who knows? But if you want to play that card, now I think is a good time to do it. And why not play it at this point?
1: You know, what we've learned or what I've learned from talking to former players over the years that, is that during that famous 2004 run to the Stanley Cup final, Daryl Sutter was very good for newspaper sales because he'd love to go in the locker room and read a little snippet of what somebody had said or what somebody had, you know, whether whether it's media, you know, he loved to take a clip and say, hey, boys, this is what people are saying. And I... Not sure if he's buying newspapers anymore, but he's still using those clips. I guarantee it. And if he wants to, if he wants to play the us against the world card, it makes, it makes sense right now because he's right. People were writing them off. You know, we sat here three days ago, two days ago and talked about when would be a good time to get young players into the lineup. Yep. And so fair game, take your shots. But time will tell, you know, that this could be a momentum turning road trip for the Flames. Absolutely. And you know he's going to play that card as they try to fight their way back into this thing.
2: Absolutely. And I might even ask some questions to take it in the teeth just for the sound bites because I think it's a good card to play.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You have
2: to. You got to do something at this point. Uh, so, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, he's Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. Flames talk underway. Flames talk coming at you Thursday from Cowboys uh, as Cowboys presents the fifth annual wing off in support of Kids Sport Calgary. Uh, it starts at 6 o'clock on Thursday. Uh, we need your help finding Calgary's ultimate wing champion. So, uh, we've got celebrities in the house all-you-can-eat wings from Calgary's best pubs and restaurants, lots of drinks to wash it down as well. Tickets available at showpass.com One more time, showpass.com for the fifth annual wing-off, and once you're at Showpass, go search Cowboys Wing-Off. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show.
1: Talk is on the air and streaming on
2: the Sportsnet mobile app, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. Okay, time for a Wednesday edition of the Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills upgrade your current mercedes-benz to a 2022 model with a two percent additional reduction drive over to mercedes-benz country hills minutes from the calgary airport it's pat steinberg Wes gilbertson from post media and now derek wills the voice of the flames joins us to complete our wednesday round table gents uh the flames lose an ugly one on saturday that was their fifth consecutive loss and that uh that is the last time they have lost because they kick off a two-game road trip monday with a pretty thrilling 5-4 win over the dallas stars and then they steal one or jacob markstrom steals one one night later tuesday in a one-nothing shootout win over minnesota so from where we were on Saturday and following the wild loss to where we are after these last two wins. How much better or how much different do you feel about Calgary's playoff
0: chances? Well, I feel a lot better than I did after that uh, tough to watch 3 0 loss to the wild last Saturday, that's for sure. I mean, it was uh, a tough two game road trip, uh, a tough turnaround with about 1,400 kilometers between uh, Dallas, Texas, and St. Paul, Minnesota, and uh, against the top two teams in the Central Division. The Stars first with 81 points, the Wild second with 79 points. So that was a tough trip for the Flames, and they picked up four of a possible four points with two very different types of wins. Uh, I mean, the first game, they're up 2-0 and 4-2. Let those leads slip away and then score with seven seconds remaining in regulation time to beat the Stars 5-4. And then in what was a grind-em-out slugfest in the second game of the trip, uh, they win 1-0 in a shootout. And it was just unbelievable uh, to watch the contrast between those two games uh, against the Stars and the Wild. When you look at the standings, they're still not in a great spot. Uh, Sitting right now... Four points out of the second wild card spot in the Western Conference, but definitely in a better spot than they were to start the trip. And the interesting thing is, if you look at strength of schedule for the rest of the regular season, the Flames now have the easiest strength of schedule in the National Hockey League. Their points, our opponents have picked up, uh, on average, 1.003 points per game. And the team they're chasing, the Jets, they're right in the middle of the pack, uh, tied for the 13th uh, hardest schedule. Uh, their opponents picked up an average of 1.127 points per game. But where I think the Flames could potentially close the gap, other than their head-to-head game com- coming up against the Jets in April, is with this next stretch of game. So here's what it looks like for the Flames. A non-playoff team in the Ducks a non-playoff team in the Senators, a non-playoff team in the Coyotes, and then you've got the Golden Knights who are good and the Stars who are good. So that's the next five games for the Flames. As for the Jets, a playoff team in the Wild, a team fighting for a playoff spot in the Panthers, uh, the two-time Stanley Cup champion and three-time defending Eastern Conference champion Lightning, uh, a playoff team in the Hurricanes, a playoff team in the Bruins, and a team fighting for a playoff spot in the Predators so if you can win let's say four of your next five and just keep an eye on the out-of-town scoreboard to see how the Jets do going through a murderer's row of opponents you might be in a pretty good spot five games from now
1: I'm not sure I feel better just yet about the Flames playoff chances but I think what's most important after that two-game trip and and Wilsey you did a good job of summarizing what a it was to go through those two cities in back-to-back nights I think the important thing is that you don't feel worse about their playoff chances as they head home and, and what I would add to that is if the Minnesota Wild can beat the Winnipeg Jets tonight in a game that I think starts at 6 30 mountain no sorry 5 30 mountain time I'm going to Feel better then about the Flames playoff chances. It's crazy to think that it wasn't long ago we were talking about a heads up against Minnesota for the last playoff spot. It certainly looks now like a heads up with the Winnipeg Jets. And so to get through a really daunting back to back to not lose any ground and come home potentially with a little help from the wild tonight and only be four back with an equal amount of games played. I'd suddenly feel better. Now, I feel better about the fact that Jacob Markstrom has looked like his old self. You know, if you're scoreboard watching, you should feel better about the fact that Connor Hellebuck suddenly isn't looking so much like himself, but it's still a steep climb. I just think it's important that after that trip, it's not more steep than it was.
2: You know, I, I feel better not because of them being closer to a spot. I feel better not because of the fact they won the two. I didn't think they were going to lose the rest of their games. Um, I feel better for one main reason, and that's the last five games from Jacob Markstrom. That is the that is the sole reason why I feel better. And then to watch what he did against Minnesota Tuesday night, it just kind of upped that level the next little bit. He came into that Boston game and, and really stabilized things when Dan Vladar did not look comfortable at all and then has played well ever since. He's at a 9.29 save percentage in the 10-plus periods he's played since relieving Dan in that game against the Bruins. And he has looked confident. He has looked like the guy that they need him to be, and he's looked like the guy that we got used to prior to this season or even prior to the Oilers series in May. So that is the number one, and and really, it's number one and then everything else. It is the main reason why I'm feeling better about this team. They still have an uphill climb they still don't have everything in their own hands hell who knows that game april 5th against the jets may not mean anything we'll see it's still a
1: long ways off we should point out somehow the nashville predators are surging and could be a problem for both the flames and the winnipeg
2: nashville is the team that like nashville has a significantly easier road standings wise to the playoffs than calgary does Cal- like Nashville's at a five sixty six and Calgary's at a five forty six. The Preds have four games in a hand on the Flames, so that that's so the standings remain an uphill climb. The the position they've put themselves in um, make makes it still I'm trying to think of the right word less likely than likely that they get there. I don't think it's out of the question. I'm not going to be the most stunned ever, especially now that it's only four points. But the reason why I feel like this has the chance to be more interesting than I would have told you a week ago is because what I'm seeing from Jacob Markstrom. It's the number one thing that they needed to get rectified, and who knows if it will be rectified in the next 17, but the last five have been by far his best stretch of the season, and they need that.
0: Yeah. Now, you asked, do I feel better about the Flames playoff better chances? Better or differently? You didn't ask, why I feel better. And my answer would be the same as yours, Pat. I feel better, first and foremost, because of how Jacob Markstrom has looked since coming in and relief for Dan Vladar in the second and third periods of that 4-3 overtime loss to the Bruins last Tuesday. That looked like a turning point for him. And then I'm pretty sure he got a vote of confidence from head coach Daryl Sutter after that game. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Sutter told Markstrom... You're the guy moving forward. Uh, and if we're going to go down, it's going to be with you between the pipes. And that had to be a shot on the arm. He just, he looks way different. Uh, he's no longer... Attacking the puck and attacking the game, he's looking like that confident big goaltender that we saw finish second in Vesna Trophy voting last season and getting his first shutout in 61 games and in almost a calendar year has to increase that confidence even more. Uh, and he was great. He was the only reason why the Flames got a point, let alone two, in that one nothing shootout win over the Wild last night. But beyond that, guys, the Flames have lost a lot of games, like the ones they won. The last two nights so a they've got to be way more confident in their goaltender now than they have been at any point in time at least since early in the season and b they've got to be more confident because all of the sudden they're starting to get some bounces that you know, quite frankly they didn't get their fair share of for most of the season and i hate to sound like a homer saying that but they've had more way more bad luck than good luck this year and maybe they're responsible for that because a wise man once said you make your own luck but I feel like earlier in the season, maybe even last week, the Flames would have found a way to lose that game that they won 5-4 versus the Stars, scoring with seven seconds left. And they would have found a way to lose the game they won 1-0 in a shootout last night. But this time around, they found a way to win those games. And that builds belief and confidence and momentum, three intangibles the Flames have lacked all season long. You just reminded me of the fact that it has been almost a year
1: since Jacob Markstrom had his last shutout, which is yeah, which is absolutely crazy because I believe it was on March twelfth of last year he bagels the detroit red wings and we're talking about how he just needs one more to tie mika Kippersoff's single season franchise record the,
2: the flames had this awesome i saw it they had this awesome graphic made where basically kiprasov and and markstrom were high-fiving oh yeah
0: oh i wanted to see it soon. oh wow so you're saying they jinxed it then
2: oh they're just being prepared
0: <laughs> you heard it here first you got to be prepared it's yeah. a jinx
2: I'm not I'm not throwing anybody into the bus, but I wanted to see it so bad. I wanted to see it. Yeah. Um hey, we'll see. Uh I think it I think it's got it is crazy to think that it's been that long, almost a year since they have had their last uh their last shutout. They got it Tuesday night in Minnesota. Derek West Pat, Daily Flames round table. Um, guys, the the Nick Ritchie experience. Uh great start. And then different in game two. What uh How do we sum up night two versus night one for Calgary's newest forward?
0: Not great. (laughs) Not heading in the right direction. Uh, I mean, there is a reason why the former 10th overall pick of the Ducks back in 2014 has played for six teams in the last four seasons. I really liked what I saw on... What day of the week is it today? Today's Today's Wednesday. uh, Monday. Today's Wednesday. So I really liked what I saw on Monday. And I thought he was really good in his Flames debut, especially, I would say, in the first half of that hockey game against the Stars. Uh, Snaps the Flames' long, goalless streak at 121 minutes and 21 seconds with his first goal, just under the four-minute mark of the first period in his first game with the Flames. Had three shots, had three hits. Uh, Took a bad penalty in the third period, but played, I think, a pretty effective 14 minutes and 41 seconds in that 5-4 victory over the Stars. Last night, I, I really had a tough time with the two penalties he took, a bad one on the first, a bad one on the second, which meant three bad penalties in three periods for Nick Ritchie, and just didn't impact the game as much. Uh, had two shots, but didn't have a hit. Uh, I mentioned the four penalty minutes, uh, played less time, 13 minutes and 26 seconds in that one nothing shootout win versus the Wild, and... I do wonder if conditioning is a concern. I know it's something that has hampered him at least at times during his NHL career. And we also know uh, how important uh, conditioning is to Daryl Sutter. It was uh, something that he made uh, very evident uh, to his players and to his coaches and to everybody when he took over this team uh, and replaced Jeff Ward about two and a half years ago. So... Uh, I do wonder if that uh, could potentially be an issue for him. I I do think that when Nick Ritchie is right, he brings an element that the Flames don't have or don't have enough of. He is a player with size who also has some skill. But for him to be effective, we need to see the guy we saw in the first period or two against the Stars on Monday. A guy who used his size and used his skill, made some plays, but more importantly, got to the middle of the ice and got to the front of his opponent's net. Because I think that has been a huge Achilles heel for the Flames this season. They're a high-shot-volume team. We know that. But in order to make the most of all those shot attempts and shots on goal, you've got to get guys to the middle of the ice. You've got to get guys to the front of your opponent's net to create the second and third chances that they've struggled to create for much of the season. I think he can help them do that, but he's got to be more consistent, which, uh, again, has been an issue for him throughout his career. Three
1: quick things for me on Nick Ritchie. Uh, one, for a guy who has been, you know, his, whose reputation has been inconsistency throughout his NHL career, I'm certainly concerned about the fact that he's had one rotten game out of two in a Calgary Flames uniform. You know, that was quite a drop off last night, albeit in a challenging circumstance. You know, he had a lot of unexpected travel. All that stuff. But nonetheless, that that was quite a drop-off. That's a concern. Two, I'm not sure if his brother Brett mentioned it to him, but Daryl Sutter hates when guys take needless minor penalties. So (laughs) to be three penalties into your Flames career and 24 minutes of even strength ice time, that doesn't bode very well. And three, no disrespect to Nick Ritchie, but the sooner Dylan Dubé's on the second line, probably the better.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I I thought he struggled in, in game two in a big way, not just the penalties, which were both needless, but also pace-wise. And he was just kind of, he, he was not very visible. He was just, well, I, I really liked the way that he created space for his line mates and, and was able to complement them against Dallas. I just, I didn't feel like he did any of that against Minnesota, but I, I'm not ready to write off one way or the other because I'll I'll give him I'll cut him some slack on the second half of a back to back all that type of stuff. I think that you know for him all that upheaval and then from there a tough back to back like that's a that's a it's not Arizona Vegas that's Minnesota to Dallas or Dallas to Minnesota that's that's not a hop skip and a jump. So I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But here's what I know, and you guys have already brought it to light. The consistency issues have dogged this guy throughout his career, and if he wants to avoid being a PTO candidate for next year, we need to see the Dallas Nick Ritchie way more than we see. It can't be once every two games. That has got to be the norm. I'm not suggesting that means he'll get another contract with the Flames. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. He wants to get a contract anywhere in the summertime and not have to go the PTL route. He's he's gonna need to play like that. So yeah, he, it was a big drop off. I thought both him and Stetcher dropped off in Game Three for Stetcher and Game Two for Richie. But it was it was more stark for Nick. And and both guys had their ice time reflected. But on uh, in both cases, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because of the circumstances. I'm I'm rooting for Nick. I'm skeptical, but I'm rooting for him because I always like a a good redemption story. So we'll see if he can do it.
0: Yeah, and comparing those two guys who came over in the trade from the Coyotes. I would say that Richie's in a way more prominent spot than Stetcher because really Sutter went down to four or five defensemen for a good chunk of last night's game. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. It it was to your point, Pat, the second half of a, a tough back-to-back, tough turnaround going from Dallas to St. Paul. So you do uh, give the guys a bit of the benefit of the doubt, but I do think that Daryl Sutter sees something in Nick Ritchie, and he sees something that uh, he thinks the Flames are lacking a great combination of size and skill. And we saw that, especially in the first couple of periods against the Stars two nights ago. And say what you want about Sutter, he has proven, uh, coaching almost 1,700 regular season and postseason games in this league, that he can find buttons that other coaches can't, or most other coaches can't at least. Sometimes he pushes those buttons and things don't go well. Other times, he pushes those buttons and brings the best out of a player. And we weren't sure it was going to work with Johnny Gaudreau. That did not, on paper uh, or in our imaginations, look like a marriage made in heaven. Worked awesome last season. Gaudreau was at his absolute best playing for Sutter and got rewarded as a result. Can Richie... Be the same story, not to that extent, but can Sutter bring the best out of Ritchie? Uh, We'll have to probably wait and see here. He's going to have to whip him into shape, probably both literally and in every other way, shape, and form, figuratively, Uh, but he does have an element that the Flames don't have a lot of, and his ability to get to the front of the net and do something once he gets there is uh, something I think this team could use and something that Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberto could use. Yeah, I'd like to see Dylan Dubé playing higher in the lineup, but I do think Richie can do some things that he can't. Then again, Dubé can do some things that Richie can't. So uh, we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. If uh, we get back to Game 1, Richie, as opposed to Game 2, Richie, could be uh, a nice ad for the Flames down the stretch and uh, it could help him resurrect his NHL career. Thank you, Wilsey. Okay, have a good night. He's Derek
2: Wills. He's Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. That's your Daily Flames roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary Airport. Wes, quickly, um, tell us about uh, your Jacob Pelche latest because I read it. I love it. He's an easy guy to cheer for. He just, that's a guy that, it's really easy to get on board with and be excited for, because he is a shot in the arm of positivity seemingly every single day.
1: Yeah. And thank you. There's a couple moments that have really jumped out to me. Obviously, uh, Jonathan Huberto scores a really important goal in that game against Boston. And we see Jacob Pelche back at the bench, wrap him up in his right arm, tap him relentlessly with his left arm, and he was hanging on to him for so long that Jonathan Huberto finally burst out laughing like that. That's how long this celebration lasted. And then we saw it again when he tried to lift it and maybe successfully a little bit lifted Elias Lindholm off the ice in Dallas. Like this guy gets so excited for his teammates to score for his team to score. And I had a good chat with him and he talked about how, he wasn't himself in in training camp how he was shy and he wasn't talking you know he said something really funny to me which is that what's the worst that can happen one of the guys will say hey kid relax and I'll say oh okay and so just a fun read talk to a bunch of his teammates Huberto there's a quote in there from Elias Lindholm Nazem Kadri about the positivity that he brings and I, I think in what has been sort of a dark cloud situation too often for the Calgary Flames agreed that can be really important
2: Wrap it up this hour. Go check that out on uh, in, in your post-media papers or online. It's a really cool read, and one of the good stories, feel-good stories of the year has been now the 19 consecutive games that Jacob Pelchase played as a he's member the keeper, of hey? the Calgary Flames. The only way I think he's going back down now is whenever Calgary season comes to an end, he's going to go play with Calgary. Whenever the Flames yeah. season comes to an end, he'll go play with the Wranglers again, but that'll probably be the last time he's in a Wranglers uniform.
1: And I believe they call this a tease in radio. If you're wondering who might get bumped down to the Kansas city Mavericks in that situation, Ryan Pike is on next.
2: Good point. Pike will know that for certain. Uh, wrap it up this hour with your flames. Talk best bets brought to you by bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at bodog.net. Hashtag make a play free play only 18 plus. Play responsibly. Well, we went over. You were chirping me for Monday's over pick for Flames Dallas. It went over, so I thought I'd ride You
1: must the have hot been hand. confident, eh?
2: I rode the hot hand and went over for Flames Minnesota.
1: You know, right until the last 60 minutes or so, I thought it had a chance. <laughs>
2: uh, they did play 65, so I got five minutes of it. They did not go over five and a half, so it, missed there. In your
1: defense, if they didn't wave that one off, you would have been within four. That's
2: true. Four and a half. I would have been four and and a half of pushing. So, uh, yeah, did not get the over. That was an L. Uh, Also missed on Ricard Raquel. Uh, He just went under two and a half shots. We did get our third one. So Oliver Bjorkstrand saved us from going over. He did go over two and a half shots. So we're uh, down to two and three on the week, so uh, need a big second half of the week starting with Wednesday. I've got uh, Vancouver's Elias Pettersson over three and a half shots when they take on Anaheim, and I've got Dylan Larkin over two and a half shots for Detroit against Chicago. So Pettersson over three and a half, Larkin over two and a half. Those are your Wednesday Flames talk best bets. Brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag Make a Play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly.